We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Welcome to Land Decolonized, the podcast that explores the framework agreement on First Nation land management. This week, on our last episode before our summer break, we take you to Magnetowan First Nation near Georgian Bay in Ontario. On National Indigenous Peoples Day, I spoke with Samantha Naganosh, Deputy Chief and also the Lands Manager. I was surprised to learn about the connection between land code and turtle protection. Here's our conversation. And Samantha Naganosh joins us on the line right now via the internet. Happy afternoon to you. Happy afternoon and happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Absolutely. We sure timed this well, didn't we? Yes. And what's on tap for the community later today when we're done here? Well, if the weather clears up, we hope to do some fireworks. And it's been a couple of years because of COVID that we've been able to do anything like that. So it'd be really nice uh, to, to see everybody together and to have some fireworks. Oh, yeah, I bet people are really anxious to get out there. Good stuff. We're going to talk about the land code, of course, but can we just backtrack a little bit, Samantha, and have you tell us about your position and what you're doing there in the community? Sure. So um, currently, actually, for the last four years, I have been the deputy chief of Magnetowan First Nation. Um, That is... uh, fun and exciting and I get to be involved in uh, in leadership um, but I'm also uh, the lands manager in Magnetowan so I did start as the lands clerk um, and I have moved my way up and I recently became the lands manager in Magnetowan so um, the our elections are coming and I'm not going to be on that ballot so I'm very excited to say that I'm going to be just the lands manager in Magnetowan and I very much look forward to that. Great. Yeah. Now, is this your first term on council or second? This would be my second and final for now. So what intrigued you about the whole question about land? Well, I've been lucky to be, I would say, mentored and and pushed by uh, people in my community. Of course, our um, our connection to the land is so strong and our elders in the community were very... Um, they're very pushy for me uh, to take part. I think just because I, I guess I had gone to college and then coming home, everybody was really pushy for me to be involved in land. So I took every opportunity and uh, I started in college just doing little placements and, and here I am. Where did you go to school? I went to school in Georgian College in Barrie. I took the Aboriginal Community and Social Development Program. When was that now you first took that lands position, the land clerk position? That was in 2015. And your six-year anniversary was yesterday, or close to Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought that's so exciting that we're talking about this today, and it just happens to be, yes, our sixth anniversary. So um, Magnetowan had a successful land code vote of about 90% yes, on June 20th of 2015. So yes, we are at our sixth anniversary. I wasn't a part of it when we became operational and signatory. I think I was still in, uh, I would have been just 
just out of school, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I was um, I got involved when we became operational. And then actually in October of 2018, we had an amendment to our land code. So that could have been one of the pictures that you've seen also. What was the amendment? What had to change? So in 2018, uh, we had opportunity because of our land code to have a transmission line come through our territory. Um, our neighbors to the north have a, a wind farm where, they where they're making energy. And so their transmission line comes through our community. Um, and in that process, we created about four laws and, and one of them was the amendment to the land code. The purpose of that was um, to become to be to be able to have more opportunities uh, between Magnetowan and proponents rather than just kind of like member to member um, exchanges and things like this. So it the amendments to our land code just gave us more opportunities with proponents coming through our land. And that's pretty common, I think, in a lot of land code communities where situations change and there require some adaptation and. Uh, so that's par for the course, really, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Do you have a committee, a local committee, that works with council on any land questions? We do. We have an established lands committee in our community, um, which is how we create our land laws, of course. But with COVID, things had been a little bit difficult. We have been finding new ways to connect with everyone. And so um, having internet set up through our community and having tablets and devices for people to connect has been um, one of the ways that we've been trying to reconnect with our committees. So it's been, uh, it's been difficult through COVID, but we're definitely learning how we can gather, you know? Speaking of COVID, how mm -hmm. is the community doing with, uh, with the reopening phase or the vaccination process? Luckily, luckily, very well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, luckily, we've been we've been very fine. We did have uh, an outbreak over Christmas, which was scary, but very thankfully, everyone was absolutely fine. And since then, we have, I think, about a 72% vaccination rate. So we did our, our vaccination clinics. And like I said, about 72% of us are now fully vaccinated. We're a small community, so it makes, I guess, makes it a little easier to get to that. Tell us a little bit about Magnetoon. Like, where are you located and how many people live there? Sure. So, uh, Magnetoon First Nation is on the eastern shores of Georgian Bay in Ontario. Uh, we're about three hours north of Toronto on the Magnetoon River. And we are... We are pristine wetlands and, and peatlands, and we're a div diversity uh, hotspot for wildlife um, and species at risk. Good stuff. A lot of communities uh, went the land code route because they wanted a, a better ability to manage their environment, protect their environment, protect sacred locations in the community. Was that true in your case as well? Yes, I think we have that as a motive, um, as well as looking at economic opportunities that are happening around us, right? Um, but definitely we have uh, a species at risk program here that's been ongoing longer than we've been operational in land code. So definitely that was a motive for, for certain to uh, to be able to tackle some of the things that we see. Um, so like I s said, some of the opportunities that are coming through the community, um, for instance, one of them is Highway 69 widening. Um, that traverses through our community. And we know uh, through our Species at Risk program, as well as uh, observation, that 
our species at risk and our turtles often get, uh, there's high mortality on the highway routes. So we have been doing lots of research, um, learning how to mitigate the roads properly. And so I think our land code giving us jurisdiction gives us the assertion to say, these are our resources and we know how to mitigate properly. And, and this is the way that we'd like to be involved in influencing that. So Okay. Uh, did you have to surrender land for the highway addition? Uh, not yet. We're currently in negotiations for that uh, with MTO. But the very first time that it came through, I suppose that was just the Expropriation Act. We didn't have mm. land code at that time. So, um, But now that we do, when they're talking about widening it, we have all of the authority to be sitting and negotiating that with, with the Ministry of Transportation Ontario. Yeah, so that would give you a, a bit more leverage with them. Absolutely, yes. Are you looking at future business opportunities along that stretch? I believe so. I think that I think a, a lot of times it depends on what's occurring around your communities to determine what you're able to partake in. Um, but with the highway coming through, there's definitely a lot of uh, opportunities for us to be involved. Yeah. So you've been sort of engaged for about six years. Did you have much involvement with the First Nations Land Management Resource Center staff when you were starting out? Definitely. Yes, I we are so lucky for them. Just like their name says, they are such a resource. And when we get to meet at a national level, it is so cool to be able to sit with other lands managers and other people who have been doing this good hard work um, and learn from each other. So we're so lucky to have, just like their name says, that such a resource in, in LABRC, yes. Pretty amazing. I mean, they've just recently celebrated their 25th anniversary. And I think... Um, at the time of this recording, anyway, 101 First Nations are now operational. So exciting. I think having been operational for as long as we have and because of the opportunities around us, we really see the benefit that the Land Code brings to our community. So congratulations to all 101 others. I asked this of many of our guests, and the podcast is called Land Decolonized. And when you think of the term decolonization, does that hold any particular significance to you personally? I think uh, when I when I think about land decolonization, it really makes me think of um, making decisions at a communal level. So I think our land code really brings us the opportunity to do that. We have obligations in our land code, such as the committee, which is a perfect way uh, to have a conduit between our decision makers and and our community, putting the um, putting the decisions back into the community's hands as well as uh, having ratification votes on any on any decision that might come, as well as our land use planning. I think um, land use planning is an awesome way for us all to determine kind of where we are, where we're going, and again, it gets ratified, so the community gets to decide that. And I really think um, having a tight-knit community, we're quite small, and I think us being able to make decisions collectively is... Uh, is decolonizing in itself, I'd like to think. Sure. So at those meetings, is that where you uh, haul out the flip charts and everybody starts you know, thinking, okay, what's the potential? What would I like to see happen here? What's possible? Yes, oftentimes it's very much that. And then oftentimes um, we have some direction already provided to us by chief and council, just depending on what laws they'd like to see or uh, things that they need then they need us to be involved in. But of course, yes, the Lands Committee often has great ideas on how we can how we manage ourselves and how we can live in a better, happier uh, community. Yeah. I think I read on your website, I'm not sure if it came from Chief and Council, but uh, the land code was described as 
one of the most significant historical events at Magnetowan. That's an interesting quote. I would I would definitely agree with that quote. I think um, given our situation and given where we are located geographically, and, and before the land code, there was opportunity for expropriation. And I think uh, that is something that happened to us. Given our land code, we also have opportunity for meaningful relationships and meaningful negotiations. So absolutely, I, yeah, I, I agree with that statement. I think it was a big piece of Magnetowan history, and I think it's really going to shape our future. Any other thoughts on land code as we wind down, Samantha? Well, I wanted to share with you um, a benefit that we found through, I did share earlier, we had a transmission line come through our community. And in that, um, four laws were created, and one of which was an environmental permitting and protection land law. And I just wanted to share kind of a, a happy story and as to where we are now. So of that, unfortunately, of that EPP land law, there was that law was broken during uh, construction of the transmission line. And in order to be compensated for the, the breaking of that law, we actually um, received incubators. And so what our Species at Risk program has been doing since then is been incubating turtle eggs. And it's a very exciting program that we have going on. And we're able to um, now, since we have more incubators and we have more eggs and uh, turtle nesting season just happened. So we are incubating turtle eggs and we're trying our best to give them a fresh start so that they can, yeah, they can start off strong. And um, so, yeah, very exciting. And, and that is because of a land law that we created. And, and this is what's come of it, right? So where would those incubators be located? So we have a lands department. We just moved out of our administration office into a new location. So now we have a lab and, and an office, and we're quite excited about our new space. But yeah, that's where our incubators are. Okay, very exciting. I'm sure there might be some other folks listening to the podcast who would like to learn more about what you've done there with LandCode. Do you mind if we share contact information in our show notes? Certainly. Uh, this is a funny plug, but we have a Facebook page where we share a lot of what we do. Okay, good enough. No, we'll put we'll include the link there as well. So most awesome. I cool. appreciate you taking time. And I know you've got some busy planning to do for those fireworks. So we'd better let you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks to Samantha Naganage for sharing her community story this week. The Magnetowan website is at magfn.com if you'd like to learn more. We look forward to hearing from other communities when we resume our podcast in September. I'm Richard Perry. Have a great summer. <laughs>